entrepreneurship is great, but can also seem overwhelming. Wouldn't you like to know the pros, opportunities, and problems with different business and investment strategies before you jump in? Well then, welcome to Entrepreneurship Exposed. Let's go! We are back for another episode of Entrepreneurship Exposed with your guy, Bees. And I know, guys, I know I say this like all the time. I'm like, yo, I'm so super excited about this episode. I say it all the time because I love the guests that come on here. But I'm extra super excited about this episode today. (laughs) We we have a great conversation about to happen. A young lady, Devon Reeves, who's been doing amazing things. And she's already aware of business acquisition. So since we talk about entrepreneur strategies that you can get into all with a twist of buying businesses, I don't even have to explain it to this lady. She knows what's up because she's already doing it. So welcome, Devon Reeves. Thank you for being a guest on Entrepreneurship Exposed. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell the people a little bit more about yourself. Well, hello, 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 everyone. My name is Devon Reeves. I am the president and founder of the Von Group. We are a hotel consulting firm based out of Atlanta. I am also the uh, co-owner of three hotels across two different states. And I'm the CEO of Vester, which is a crowdfunding platform where you can raise capital for commercial real estate or invest in commercial real estate. But probably my favorite job of them all, I am a mom to a three-year-old toddler, three-year-old son. Hey, congratulations. I saw that when I was looking up your info too. I was like, well, I got, I got four. I got, actually, I got five to be honest because I my bonus. Right. But, uh, but yeah, it, it's, it's quite a handful, but you know, welcome to the club and enjoy. But yeah, amazing stuff. Do you, do you emphasize the A, Davon more than Devon? Yeah, I do, but my mom calls me the way you call, way you okay. say. That's my answer. I didn't, you know. True, true. <laughs> well, not only do you co-own a major hotel property, you're the youngest to ever do that, youngest black woman to ever do that. And and what? No, I got thrown. I'm the youngest to own three. To own three. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that yeah. is what's up. Yeah, How do I you still, even- I still I think I still hold that title. Yeah, I still hold it. Really? That yeah. is awesome. That is a an inspiration to so many, right? To see yeah. that. You could own a major, co-own a major hotel chain. Like that's awesome. Yeah. So tell me, how did you even get into this? What made you say, "Yeah, I'm gonna go buy me a hotel"? Well, my journey. I think a lot of people think it's like an overnight journey. So I actually started off as a front desk agent. So about 15 years ago. So I didn't know anything about hotel ownership. I didn't know anything about real estate. Didn't know anything about buying a business. I didn't know anything of that. You know, my goal was to become a general manager. You know, mm. and so. Probably was post-graduation after I graduated from college that I joined this organization called the American Hotel Lodging Association Under 30 Gateway. And from there, it's where I was connecting with people who, although they didn't look like me, but they owned, well, they inherited hotels. So they were like under the age of 30 owning hotels. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't know you could do that. And so that's when the light bulb just went, okay, I want to do it. And from there, you know, I was just, um, I've always been a curious person and yeah. I've always been a go-getter. And so from that moment, I was like, okay, this is it. I am getting my hotel. 
Nice, nice. So would you, uh, would you, uh, I'm going to assume, did you do the traditional acquisition route, like going through an SBA 7A loan, the acquisition loan? No, we didn't do that. So with the first loan, so excuse me, with the first deal that I did on my own, because my experience, even though I started off as a front desk agent, like I mentioned before, there wasn't really a, for me, there wasn't really a pathway or roadmap to hotel ownership. So I took a, I had to take a non-paid internship to get into hotel consulting. It was at a hotel consulting firm. And so in my mind, I'm thinking the best way or the fastest way to learn about hotel ownership is working for a firm that consults hotel owners. I mean, that's just what I thought at the time, right? Nice. So since I didn't have any operations experience, I mean, excuse me, since I didn't have any like real estate or finance experience, or I didn't go to school for it, I took that the only way that I could get in was through that non-paid internship. And so from there, you know, they kept me on. I was there for about three months. I worked there in the morning, worked at the height at night. And mm. then so this was non-paid. Like, so it was after I graduated. Yeah. And and so from, from there, I was there for about two years. Uh, they kept me on. And then from there, I moved to Boston and I worked for a large uh, third-party hotel asset manager firm. And so from there, that's how I learned about structuring deals. That's where I learned about, you know, the raising capital on the higher level side. Oh my God, I'm in love. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, and then in 2020 is when I partnered, well, I jumped, I'm skipping my the Vaughn Group. I found the Vaughn Group in 2017 and mm. then 2020, that's when I partnered with Nassau Investments and we acquired the Home Two Suites. And so from that particular deal, how we got that deal was more so we assumed the loan. So it wasn't mm-hmm. we didn't go the traditional route of this. Um, well, we w- with this particular wholesale, we wouldn't have been able to take on the SBA 7A loan because, yeah. you know, SBA 7A mm-hmm. is five million or less. Yeah. And this deal in 2020, the 85 Room home two suites was eight point three million, so we wouldn't have been able to use the SBA loan for that. Oh yeah, yeah, you're, you're just speaking my language. I love it. <laughs> I'm like super excited. And yeah. so you structured the deal. First of all, you said you learned structuring uh, how to structure a deal when you were at that consulting firm. No, no, no. Yeah, I said before that, I got to go back because. You said that you took a non-paying internship in order yeah. to learn more about the industry so that you could get into it. That right there is an example that everybody should uh, to, should follow, right? People are like, oh, I, you know, I don't know nothing about this. I don't, I don't know what to do. You said, no, nah, I'm going to go find out about it. I'm going to go into a nine to five. This yeah. is what I tell people. There's nothing wrong with being in your nine to five as long no. as you're taking something from it. No, it's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, I don't shame people who have a nine to five because a lot of times people, they need to look at, uh, for one, entrepreneurship is not for everyone. So that's mm-hmm. it, right? Definitely. And then two, if you do want to become an entrepreneur and you still have a nine to five, use that nine to five as your first investor in your business. Yes. Because it's a different hustle when you when you don't have that base supporting you. Right. Because you're more willing to give up your stress. You can't really think and focus those, those two things. Either you really stress and you're going to figure it out. So you don't want to get a nine to five mm. or your if you have that cushion, it allows you to think it allows you to do different things and you can use the money from your nine to five to invest exactly. in your first business. So it's two it's two routes that you can go. Exactly. And and getting that knowledge from your nine to five, learning about SOPs, learning about uh, uh, the financial side of things, learning how to manage employees and teams. All of that's important when you make that transition into your your entrepreneurial life. So, yeah, I love that you did that first. But now we got to get to you talking about structure, how you structure the deal. Now, I'm 
known for LBOs, leverage buyouts. Okay. With LBO, I'm able to in- put the debt in the business in order for me to acquire it. Right. So the business is paying for the acquisition rather than it coming out of my pocket. The seller still gets paid. It's just creative deal structuring. Yeah, now you think like different. Yeah, that's a little different for hotels because it's an operating business sitting on real estate. So yeah. you wouldn't be able to use that from a financing standpoint. Actually, I still do it. So this is this is what you could do, right? Because, you know, and, and how you're structuring a deal is going to include things like your owner note, your the seller carry, seller mm-hmm. financing. Now, if they owe, because I focus on motivated sellers in particular, the oh, retirees. Oh, well, you could use the seller financing. So to your, to your point, yes, you could do owner financing. Mm-hmm. Yes, you can. And do that exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, and uh, amongst other things, so I stacked the deal with multiple things, right? But because yeah. I'm focusing on the retirees, they often had their business for 30 years. The baby boomers, they're retiring right. this decade, they had their business for 30 plus years, and right. they probably paid off the real estate that the business that comes, you know, with the business. So, now right. for me to acquire from them, if I'm getting seller financing plus some of the other methods that I use to stack the deal, I don't have to go to the bank to get a mortgage on the, the property. I'm just paying the seller directly over time. And the business is actually paying the seller <laughs> over time instead of myself. So can you tell us a little bit how you structured that first deal for you? So the first deal, we assumed the note. So that's that's a create you. I'm sure you you nodding your head. So you understand that creative financing yep. Yep. where you you come in and if there's existing debt and the seller needs to, you know, restructure it. Yeah. So you can, you can, you know, come in. And so we actually bought our hotels during COVID. So a lot of, you know, as you all know, travel took a hit, a huge hit yeah. during COVID. And so a lot of hotels, unfortunately, had to give back the keys, meaning they had to give their hotels back to the bank. And you yeah. have some hotels who didn't want to do that. And so then you have, you know, people who have access to capital or he can, or can, or understand creative financing can restructure it and take, look at you getting excited. (laughs) (laughs) Every every word you say, I'm like, yes. You're like, wait a minute. I'm about to give me a hotel. But uh, I I, I see it in your eyes, right? I got got a surprise for you after. We'll we'll talk about it later. Well, you don't buy a hotel? I'll tell you later. Okay, 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 got it. Right. So that's so that's how we structured we structured you know just high level how we structured the first deal and so from there from the 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 financing capital I mean from the we raised the the capital privately through friends and family but we didn't have to raise as much through it as a traditional route because of how we structured the deal by assuming a loan. Got you, got you. I love it, right? And it's funny because a, a deal I was just looking at this morning was exactly the same thing. They had an EIDL loan, which mm-hmm. EIDLs are the best because they're the best terms, the best uh, repayment terms, the best interest rates, everything, right? Mm-hmm. And they're like, would you be willing to assume the loan? Of course, because then that reduces the cost that I got to pay you to get it. And then sure, the business is going to pay back the loan over time anyway. And I get to look at the financials before I even acquire. And I know that the business can afford to pay it back. So yeah, no problem. Yeah. So I, I love when you say that. <laughs> that's anxiety, man. Now, you with the Vaughn Group, you're the, that's a, your hospitality firm, right? right? Yeah, that's my consulting firm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And you're also training aspiring hotel uh, um, entrepreneurs in that group or is that something else? Is that your. I was in the group. Yeah. I was in the group. So what I've, what I've done this past year, since we're, can you believe it? 2022 is coming to an end. Can you believe it? So 
throughout the year. I had tours. I had I, tra- I basically traveled across the country. It was sponsored by Choice Hotels and Wyndham Hotels. Okay. Travel and IHG. We traveled around the country talking about hotel ownership at hotels. You know, Ooh. talking about you know buying because hotels is a franchise, right? Yeah. So. Which to your point, you're buying the business. So we're buying we're buying the SOPs. You know, you're, you're it's the quickest way I say to becoming a millionaire really is one through real estate, but two is buying a million dollar business. Exactly. So hotels are typically a million dollar business, right? Exactly. So you're buying cash flow. There you go. You're buying the cash flow, right? Mm-hmm. And so the lucrative thing about hotels is not only are you buying the cash flow, but you're buying the real estate as well. So you're buying the, the real, real estate, estate. And you're yeah. buying the business, right? So we went across the country. You know, we went to Houston, we went to New York, we went to Atlanta, we were in Atlanta, which I'm based out of Atlanta. We just got back from Napa Valley. Mm. We went to Chicago. And so you have Wyndham mm. talking about their program. So Wyndham and Choice, they have a pro Wyndham has a program called Women Own a Room, where it's dedicated to increase the women hotel owners. And then they recently mm. launched the bold black owners, lodging developers, where they want to increase the percentage of black hotel owners. And then choice, they were the first, they, they have their emerging market. So I, I worked with them because they have programs dedicated to minorities to increase the percentage. So they talked about the, you know, what the French, you know, what the look, not what to look for, but what to expect working with them. Right. You know, what the, the franchise fees, the application process, all that fun stuff you know, becoming a franchisee of either choice or window. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, ironically, I, I stay away from franchises. Right. But I tell everybody just because I do doesn't mean that they're bad. Right. I just stay away from them because of the, the type of acquisitions I'm doing. I just want to franchises tend to have more rules than I'm willing to deal with. Right. Yeah. But it doesn't mean they're bad. Magic Johnson became a billionaire from franchises. Right. You know, Rick Ross is all into franchises and nothing wrong with it. You just got to master that that niche within mergers and acquisitions over overall. I'm not that creative. So I have to do franchises because my brain uh, doesn't think it does. So I have to get a franchise. So I want something that's already hear the SOP. This is what you need to do. Yeah. You know, go there. now Vester which is my newest entity. That's not a franchise. I'm creating that from scratch. Nice. So nice. there's not there's not a roadmap. There's not a I keep finding stuff. There's no roadmap, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> no roadmap. I just thought about that. So it's no like workbook or anything or, you know, for what I'm doing when it comes to Vester. Investor is a crowdfunding platform. So, you know, bees, let's say you wanted to get your hotel, right? Yeah. You hotel, <laughs> and you need like you know, even, you know, because it sounds like you're really good with creative finances. So you structured the deal, but you still need three million dollars to close it. Right. Yeah. And so you like, you know what? I've exhausted my my friends and family and my other ways to get capital. And I don't want to use all of my capital. So you'll put the deal on a platform, which is Vester. And so basically I'm connecting you, the sponsor with investors to invest in your deal. You set the minimum. You set how much you need. They're your investors. We don't take any equity out the out your deal. We just yeah. take our fee. And think of us as an additional marketing arm. Oh, listen, Devon. Yeah. I'm about to push that platform like you wouldn't believe because I got a community called the BBI. You can see right okay. there, the Business Builders Institute. That's why I uh, share my knowledge on what I've been doing on how I've been executing acquisitions, how I've been doing the LBOs. But then it's also an investment club. We actually invest on things together. The nightclub I told you about, 
I got a couple of members of the BBI that's coming in on it together. Right. So that's the vanity project. Why, why I say that is because it's cool to be like, oh yeah, I own a nightclub, right? But yeah. it's not so cool and fun to be like, oh yeah, I own a pest control company. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't think you're going to give me your hey, I like stuff that, that make, hey, look, I'm looking <laughs> in the daycares. I'm about to get a funeral home. There I'm we go. Gonna- you know what I mean? Cash there flow, baby. So I don't, you know, you get stuff. I like to look into stuff that's recession proof, right? Yes. Yes. You know what that, I mean? So people will always have pests. So don't get, don't down on the pest control. You know, I personally probably wouldn't get into pest control because I don't like pests, period. But <laughs> from a business standpoint, you know, that, that would make sense. But to the they best platform, it's not even just for hotels, daycares, that nightclub. Oh. You, you you was talking about, right? Anything that's commercial real estate, we don't do residential, but we do do commercial. Yeah. So if you need to buy, if you need to buy some land to, you know, develop a project, you can. If you need to buy some land to develop a, um, a subdivision, you can because it's commercial real estate. Oh, you got me crying. <laughs> I love it. I love it. This is awesome, Devon. I, I, I'm, we're going to become best friends going forward. Yay, I can see that right? I <laughs> because there's so much to talk about. Now, let me tell you uh, something that I found. So like I mentioned, I can't say where it, the, the, the city or nothing, but I found a boutique hotel. Okay. Just asking 1.1 million, grossing okay. 1.7 and keeping their SDE is 511. So over okay. half a million profit that they're keeping each year grossing 1.7 that profit margin decent but for asking price of just 1.1 definitely it's a 45 unit hotel let's see what else they say that i could say online leased oh they the property they own the property you could lease from them with an option to buy it later on so if you don't want to if you don't want to get the actual real estate itself but you just want the business of it first mm-hmm. and you know then you could get the real estate later on when uh, real estate prices drop a little bit during this little recession that we're going through. Right. I think it's a really great opportunity. And I saw this just today. I think it's an excellent op- opportunity, but I'm always, I like to poke holes, right? Because, and you want to do that, right? You want to poke course. holes. Mm-hmm. So one point, their asking price is 1.1 million, but their revenues is 1.7. Yeah, gross, re- their top line revenue is 1.7. So they're doing a 2X multiple. Because, I see that. Yeah, yeah, 2X yeah. multiple. Which I, I normally when I'm uh, doing valuation on a business, I'm going to check fair market value. Right. So I'm going to look at different charts that say what that industry's multiple should be. Yeah, you right? can get two. Yeah, two yeah. X. So I, I haven't looked. Hotels are typically about a two X multiple. Uh, two, two. Well, yeah, two X multiple, two to three. So you're looking for. But that one right there is one point one million, one point. So usually it's the opposite. Usually their asking price is 1.7 and then the revenues is like, because it's weird that their revenue 1.7 is higher than their asking price. Because, because, and I've seen this, it's not that weird because what I've seen and uh, the common approach across all industries is it's a multiple of your SDE, a multiple of your profit, not a multiple of your gross revenue, right? <clears throat> there is another way to do valuation based on the your gross revenue, but usually it's based on the profit. So if their profiting is five, five and change, what did I say? Five eleven. That two x multiple is what gets them to that one point one or so. So you say one point one is the asking price, one point mm-hmm. seven is the gross, and then what's the net? Uh, five eleven, five hundred and eleven thousand for a forty five unit boutique hotel. Boutique in, hotel. in a in a popular 
busy city that I can't say what it is right now. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it sounds like a good deal. So my, yeah. my, I mean, it does sound like a good deal, but my question would be, why are they, why are they doing this option? Are they Ret- over retirees? Retirees. So they're yep. trying to get rid of it. Yep. They don't want to do, do it anymore. So it's on, it sounds like, so it must be owner operated. They didn't bring in a management company. It said, well, I, I just got the listing and just contacted the broker. So I have not, confirmed all of that. I haven't gotten the SIM yet, this confidential confidential information memorandum, which is the business summary. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, have, I haven't gone through like full numbers, like their P&Ls and things, yeah. but from the listing, you know, they put these fancy keywords to attract you and it says turnkey boutique hotel. So it implies that the owner is not putting that much hours themselves and probably do have enough employees in it that is running it well. But we're going to find out. The main point was I just wanted to mention it to you. Well, I, mean, it just, I mean, it sounds good because literally you paint it off in like a couple of years. So like you said, it's a 2X exactly. multiple. So, so it makes sense. But exactly. like if I'm just so I'm just thinking like what else? What other options are there? Is it a restaurant inside? Because you said it's a boutique. I don't, I, I don't know the full details. That that was only the the, uh, the overall summary on the um, list. No, I mean, but it's, it sounds good. Oh, yeah, we're we gonna talk more about it for sure. Because no, <laughs> like it sounds like the reason why I'm trying to poke holes is kind of like too good to be true. Because I'm like, I'm trying, look, I'm trying to flip it for you. I'm like, wait, that don't even sound right. But it's, <laughs> it's, it's, so, I'm like, really? Because I'm here's the thing. Like, yeah, here's the thing, I, and I'm gonna give away a little secret to the to the public. Um, I see so many deals that I've realized a, a, a very specific range that I stay yeah. in. Meaning I'll see a great deal and it's for sale for 3 million and their top line revenue is 3.4 and they're keeping 800,000, something like that. I've seen those type of numbers a lot, but I've seen the same exact type of business with the same opportunity for growth for under 2 million. So this is my magic range. The the selling price is under 2 million. Mm -hmm. The top line revenue is over. 2 million and the profit, the SDE, seller discretionary earnings is over 500,000. So it's usually between 500,000 and 1 million. So mm-hmm. I see so many deals like that. I've realized that there are so many like that and that's better. Why go for the one that's 3 million if it's a very similar structured deal mm-hmm. when I could get something under 2 million and still keeping the same amount of profit, right? Mm-hmm. So you, we're going to have a meeting where I want to show you my deal board. And you're gonna no, see so that deal I was just doing because I'm a percentage person. So that deal right there that you just talked about with the hotel, so that's a thirty percent profit, right? Yeah. So that's pretty good. I would I would look to see look to see if there's any work that needs to be done to it. Of course, definitely, definitely. Yeah, because so, that, that would definitely impact it. I'm getting personal consultation from Devon, y'all, on my hotel acquisition. We getting it in. Let's no, go. It just, I mean, it just it just sounds really good. Like one point one. And then the yeah. top line revenue is one point seven. And then you say you say how much is how much is net? How much are they netting? Uh, five eleven, five hundred eleven thousand and change. Yeah, so that's still about that's still close to thirty percent. So that's thirty percent profit margins down to the bottom line, which is really good. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And, and it's but a two, we, it's a two we, yeah, we'll, we'll get into it deeper offline because, uh, you know, <laughs> we, can, we can make the whole uh, conversation about this. <laughs> Let's talk about some hey, more. People want to know how to analyze deals. So there we go. <laughs> there we go. There we go. <laughs> so I, I, we have a question from the crowd and it says, have you 
Have you ever looked at opportunities overseas with hotels to acquire over no. overseas? No, no, not yet. Now I did say I did take a group to Turks and Caicos. Mm. They for them to look at deals overseas because I get people a lot. I personally, that's not my investment thesis. Like it's just not what I'm trying to do. That's just not my where, jam. Where are you from originally, by the way? I was born in Philly, but I was raised in Clayton County, Atlanta. Oh, okay, okay. I saw the the lines behind you. I thought that was a specific flag, but. Oh no, that's my favorite color is green. But (laughs) yeah, so but yeah, that's just that's just not me. Because and the reason why it's because you have to every country is different, so you have to understand the local laws. Exactly. You have to deal with the politics. You know, you have to deal with the community. Then you got to find somebody to run it for you. It's and I just how my life is set up right now. I'm just not dedicated to that. True that, true that. That that will come at the end of this call. I'm gonna ask you about a specific challenge that I got. Not yet, but okay, I'm, I'm gonna ask right. about that challenge, and I think that's gonna lead you to them overseas acquisitions as well. But we'll, okay. we'll get to that too in a second. I, I think okay. it's time for us to pop the hotel industry, right? <laughs> hotel acquisitions. We might as well okay. get into it, right? So you got to okay. tell me. You got to tell the audience. What are the pros if you want to be an entrepreneur? What are the pros of getting into hotel acquisitions and ho- and hospitality industry overall? What are the pros of getting the hotel acquisitions? Yeah, definitely the returns. The returns, and it's just more of it's more, and it also depends on your strategy. If you're more like an equity or a cash flow person, you know, you sound like you're more of an equity person. Uh So, from depending on the type of hotels that you get into, you can get into Mm. to the equity aspect, or you get into the cash flow. But the biggest thing is not only are you buying the real estate, but you're buying the business. Exactly. So that's two that's two different opportunities for you going back. I know you don't want to talk about it, but the example that you mentioned before is an opportunity for you to own a real estate and then own the business, which they're leasing out the business and which you can later do out. You know, that's something that you can do later on if you just decide to buy the entire hotel full out. Definitely. Definitely. I I agree. That's a that's a huge advantage. I always say that there's three major ways of creating wealth in this world. Real estate is one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the financial markets, that's your stock, your Forex, your, even your crypto, and then owning a business, whether you buy it or build it, uh, right. yeah, whether you acquire it or you build it. So now you get to get two of them at one shot <laughs> by acquiring yeah. a business and getting real estate. So yeah, you're right. That's an amazing pro and I definitely mm-hmm. love it. So what about opportunities now? New things that may be happening. Why, hey, this is the perfect time to jump into it. Anything like that you could you could share? With the hotels? Well, so what the hotels are doing now, they're developing a lot of brands as an answer to like multi or multifamily and short-term rentals, right? So okay. there's opportunities for folks who are in like the who coming from the multifamily space or they're coming from the short-term rental space. So the brands they're coming up with with uh, different extended stay models, right? Mm-hmm. Which is great from a cash flow perspective because it's less amenities, meaning, yeah. you know, higher, higher profit margins. So that's an opportunity. And then Marriott, they just launched like an apart tail. I forgot the name of the brand. But basically, if you own. So here's here's a revenue stream opportunity. Right. So let's say you own an apartment building in a, a nice area. You know, I don't know, San Francisco. I'm just making it up. And you're having issues and you have this floor and you want to bring an additional stream of revenue. Well, you can, you know, use a brand like Marriott. They can run out that floor or Sonder. They can run out that floor from you or lease it from you. They're making money. You're making money. And that's a different stream of revenue coming in. 
So that's an opportunity. So that's a new business model. Yeah. I love it. So many people have been focused on the short-term rentals, going through Airbnb and this type of stuff. And now there's been, and you said you're in Atlanta. I know Atlanta was one of the first places where they had that new law that said yeah. you can only have like two Airbnb. And you had to live in one. Like you had to live yeah. You yep. had to live in it and then you just had to have one other investment property. So a lot of people in their business model that all they had was short-term rentals or they were doing Airbnb arbitrage. Yes. So, which on the fence about that, because I believe in ownership, you know. Agreed. So, I agree. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So, or you want to you want to build something that you can sell. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And and this is that's a perfect transition for, for people who are being faced with those uh new roadblocks in the mm-hmm. short-term rental industry to now, hey, why not go in fully into it by acquiring a hotel? Right. So yeah, I love that. And one last question I see that uh from the crowd right here. It says, is there a difference in extended stay versus timeshares? And if you own a timeshare property, is there an opportunity to use that property to create cash flow? I'm not that familiar with timeshares, but I will say with extended stay versus timeshare. So timeshares like like you own like you own a portion of it, like you pay into it and then you 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 own it essentially and then you can come, you know, use it, you know, during a certain time frame. Extended mm-hmm. stay is a different model because for one, it's, it's a hotel. You you lease it. It's, it's still a nightly lease. The lease can be, you know, one night all the way up to a year or two years. Gotcha. And so that's your but you can't you can't sublease it and timeshares. I don't know if you can really because really it's during your time frame or a certain time frame. So you're like sharing that that space with a whole bunch of other people. And with the uh, extended stay model, you're not doing that. Exactly. Extended stay, essentially what it is, is just a hotel room that's, or it's a, it's a hotel, but the rooms are a lot larger. So you can stay there, you know, it's designed for people who need to stay there for months or weeks at a time. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So now the problems, that's, I think that's the most important aspect of this, right? We went into the pros, the opportunities. What are the problems if somebody's getting into the hotel acquisition space, what are the problems they should look out for so that they can navigate around them? Really understanding how to analyze a deal, uh, you know, so because you need to understand how to, you need to understand how to evaluate hotels under, cause really the biggest thing is evaluating the business, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because real estate is real estate. You if you can evaluate real estate, you can evaluate real estate. But really understanding the business model and then also operations. So that's the biggest thing. Really, if you don't know how to operate a hotel, you can lose money. You can be the best business person ever. But mm-hmm. I've seen it so many times where people who are very successful in other businesses they come into hotels and they're like, oh, I can do it myself. You know. No, just like Warren Buffett say, you bring in experts to handle. Yeah, we got. Oh, yes, going <laughs> back to that example because I think it's a great deal for that. If you do decide to move forward with, you know, hotels, you know, bringing somebody who bringing a, a really strong general manager or bringing a yep. consultant to someone yep. who really understands operations, so that way you can protect your investment because. For one, with hotels, you need not only heads and beds, but you really need to understand the revenue management strategy. Yes. And you also need to understand how to manage expenses. And because hotels are based off of nightly leases, right? So yeah. you going in that hotel, you know, thinking you're going to do an amazing based off the previous owner and then something like COVID hit or another recession yes. hit or something, right? And if you don't know how to operate it or if you don't know how to bring the guests back, or if you know, don't know how to manage expenses or really yeah. you know, understand your property, then, then you can lose money. 100%. I love that. And you know, another thing that I say a lot is 
25% of a watermelon is better than 100% of a grape, right? right? And I think when you're in the acquisition space, you got to have that mindset, right? Because I'm perfectly fine uh, bringing in a CEO or some sort of COO that's going to manage, they, they have that hospitality experience. They're going to manage the day-to-day and all the teams and such. And I stay back as a high-level strategy person and an investor reviewing quarterly earnings. Or like, or like you're an asset manager, right? Exactly. I'm sure ask, exactly. You're asking the tough questions. Hey, are, you know, I'm contracting you out. I'm giving you a percentage of my revenues to manage my day-to-day operations. Now, mm-hmm. since this is my asset, nobody's going to take care of my asset like me. So I'm going to ask these tough questions to see if you're really protecting my investment. If you're not doing that, then guess what? You got to go and I got to bring in somebody else. Exactly. What source I'd love for a quick gem from you, a quick insight into that realm. What source would you use to find a good as uh, operator that you would hire in your hotel if you want to acquire a new one? Well, actually, that's my expertise, to be quite honest. So okay. yeah, I'm good. I'm I'm really good at building teams. That's just become my thing. And okay. I'm really good at like connecting. And so what I what you should look for, and this is just for any business, right? Yeah. Regardless if it's a hotel or not, when you want somebody to operate, they need to operate something similar, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're coming from the multifamily space and you love your property management company and you're like, hey, I just bought this hotel. Can you manage it? If they're honest with themselves, they're going to say no. They're going to be like, no, that's not my space. You need to find somebody. If they're opportunistic, they'd be like, hey, we'll figure it out. They're going to say (laughs) yes. You don't want to do that because it's the blind leading the blind, right? You don't know what to do. They don't know what to do, right? So how to pick the right people for your team or for your asset is... Find somebody who understands that market. Find someone who understands that business model. So, for example, if you have a business in New York City and you have a business in Oklahoma City, those are two different markets. Yep. yep. Those are two different structures. It's it's two. Even if it's the same same brand, it could be the same home. So I have a home to suite in El Reno, Oklahoma, right? Mm-hmm. When we're looking for management companies, if the management companies, they, they only manage hotels in New York City, they're not going to understand El Reno. It's two different guests. Even yeah. though it's the same brand, it, we're not attracting the same guests because the person that's traveling to New York City, they're traveling to New York City for a reason. They're not, exactly. not they're probably not traveling for El, El, El Reno. They're going there for a specific reason. So exactly. you have to work with the company who knows how to attract that target customer to get them to come back, to get them to stay, to bring business, to under really understand that market and how to get in there. So that's what you do when you work with the management company. There you go. They got to understand the the mind of the customer, of the actual yeah. target ideal customer profile. So yep. yeah, I love that. Now that leads me to what I mentioned before. So I got yep. this challenge coming yep. up. It's called the trillion dollar table challenge. Okay. Now, I want at the end of this decade, I want to sit in a room at a table, hopefully with people that look like us. Yeah. And we have a trillion dollars AUM oh, wow. assets under management. I like that goal. That goal bigger than mine. I like you it. You feel me? And it's in you know, there's gonna be people who's like trillion dollars, you crazy? That's too much. No, it is no, not. It's not. <laughs> Thank you, Devon. That's what I'm saying. Especially they think you're too small. When you think big thinking too small. There you got to go. think big. You got to think big. I, I like to say dream big or dream bigger, right? Right. No, they, I got that from where people would say, uh, 
go hard or go home. Uh-huh. And yeah. I was like, no, nah, I'm not going to go home. I'm going to go hard or go harder. So then right. I changed it to dream big or dream bigger. Because a lot of times when I'm talking about the things I'm doing, people are like, wow, that's crazy. That's above me. I can't do it. I'm like, no, it's not. I, I'm not nobody special. I didn't make this stuff up myself. This has been going on for generations. So a- anyone could do it if you dream big or dream bigger, but then you got to execute. You have to execute it. I had so many dreams so long ago and I didn't execute it. Right. Mm. And so once I started and I said, you know what? God placed this in me. And I said, you know what? I'm going to turn my passion into a purpose. Right. Mm. And so, and, and sometimes people, they think I dream too big. And sometimes I don't tell them my dreams because it's not meant for them. They'll just see it when it happens. Right. And so, and sometimes people, they can't handle it because they mind can't comprehend to think big. They mind can't wrap their brain around it. So they'll try to stop you and limit you. You see how, when you said trillion dollar table challenge, I got excited. I said, Whoa, I ain't never heard that before. You didn't, you didn't say billion, you said trillion. So now you, you done took me and I think I dream big. (laughs) <laughs> I didn't met somebody who dreamed bigger than me. Like I didn't think that was possible, right? So, but you have to, you have to surround yourself. That's why you built that community and people who tap into it. They want to dream big because I realized sometimes when you're around people and they don't think as big as you, it's not. I'm not saying that you're better. It's just y'all on different. Y'all just on different levels. Exactly. And it doesn't challenge you. It doesn't motivate you. And sometimes you get stuck and where you feel you talk yourself out of it, or people talk yourself out of it. Definitely. I got so many people I want to introduce you to. Like I'm just my mind is rolling with all types of stuff. Like oh, I'm loving this trillion dollar table challenge. I'm exactly. like, get it. So so and that's the question. I, I don't even need to ask you, but you will be at that table. You, are you kidding? <laughs> you made that table. Let's go. Let's go. I seat. love it. My, my, that, that seat going to have my name on it. What you talking about? There we go. What's hey. the deadline? What's, what's my deadline? You know, I like a challenge. And so what? Seven years. End of, end of this years. decade. That, that's wow. plenty of time. Listen, with some of the acquisition strategies that I'm shifting into next year, hey, I'm not tooting my own horn, but my goal is that $100 million in AUM by, that, by the end of next year. So if I get that, I can see in seven years, 10X in it. I'm multiplying it. It's not just a hundred million each year. I'm going to keep growing because now I have more assets under management to do more with, for more investments, to attract more people, everything. So it's entirely possible for me to get to 1 billion. I want others getting there too. So we have a c- accumulated one trillion. To to a billion. You said it. I mean, like my mind is blown. Like this is crazy. We can make it happen. That's the way uh, a friend of mine, he he was in a, he was, and let me know if you can hear the, the noise in the background now, because they started up outside. But <laughs> okay, you're good. A friend of mine, he was at a mastermind in Costa Rica, and mm-hmm. he was speaking with his name, Al, uh, Rich Harrington, Al Harrington, I forget the guy's name, from Shark Tank, one of the uh, previous original sharks. And he asked him, he was like, what's the way to get to a billion dollars? And mm-hmm. Mr. Harrington was like, oh, no doubt about, no doubt about it. You got to acquire businesses. Mm-hmm. And he was like, damn, me has been telling me that. <laughs> I got to go back and do it now, you know, because that is the way to truly jump ahead. That's what the, the truly wealthy That's do. That's what the billionaires he, done. They build businesses. Exactly. But the thing is, not only do you build, you have to build businesses to sell, right? So mm-hmm. the business that I'm building, I'm building it to sell. Like that's my end game. I don't have any attachment. Oh, I'm gonna keep this baby forever. No, this thing is gonna get sold, right? Yep. Or are we yep. gonna buy? Or we gonna acquire? Either we're gonna sell it, or we're gonna acquire other businesses. Like that's the exactly. mindset that I have. to, yeah, to help it to grow. That, yeah. Exactly. So one last thing I want to say is 
I, you know, I've having a lot of conversations with people. You know, I, I speak to everybody. It's I speak to the average person, right? Sometimes people think or they're going to assume that I'm more so speaking to the black community because I'm part of the black community, so I talk to to us a lot. But I'm it's not just about black versus white or anything. It's about the average versus the ultra wealthy. And I'm just showing the average man or woman that hey, there is a way to do it. I never thought that I could get to a, being a billionaire, but I got that whole path to it right now. And it's working and it's proven. Oh, I don't have my books next to me, but um, one of my favorite books, I want you to read it if you haven't, it's called Why Should White Guys Have All the Fun? It's by, uh, it's the story of Reginald Lewis. Oh, you know what? People have been telling me to read that book forever. I need to read it. Read it. That's it. That book helped change my life, especially because he was doing not just acquisitions, but he was doing it in the way that I'm doing now, which is the leveraged buyouts. Right. So there's no excuse that anybody has. Oh, I don't got good credit. I don't got good money. I can't acquire something. That's not true. There's ways to creatively structure the deal and you can get in and start acquiring. Yeah. You know, so here's the thing. A lot of people will say, you know, the hardships that the black community has or has had for for generations. And, you know, we talk about reparations and then we talk about we ain't get the 40 acres and a mule. Mm-hmm. But guess what? Those who did get that 40 acres and a mule back then, they, they're retiring now and selling their businesses because otherwise they're just going to shut down. Their kids don't want it. So I'm getting those, that 40 acres and a mule in a different way. I'm getting it now by learning a skill like um, acquisitions through LBOs so I could go and get this business. There's one that me and my, uh, one of my partners, she's also my attorney, we were looking at for a while, didn't go through, but it was 102 years old. The brand itself was 102 years old. The current owner owned it for like 20 something years because he took it over from the previous people. But you get the brand, a strong brand, cash flow immediately and everything. You you can't beat that. You know, so I, I'm excited about this overall. I'm, I'm always smiling. <laughs> and then meeting someone like you who's doing it in another path and going down the hotel aspect of it. I love it. I love yeah. it. I def- we have to connect way more. I definitely, I just shut down my weekly meetings with my community. We took, we're taking off for December, right? right. Everybody needs to recoup and, you know, spend yeah. time with the family. But as soon as we back in January, I got to get you on there too. You got to come oh. and share your story there because you would inspire so many people on what you're doing and Man, we, we got to, by I then like you and I are probably gonna talk about that other hotel acquisition too. So we oh, hey, hey, I, can, I can help you build your team. I can introduce you to the lawyers you need. You need the operators, the operator. Cause are you do you just need a really good, you just really need a really good general manager and a really good director of sales and marketing. And you're buying something that and they already have the get the guests, the community. Man, please yeah. We'll talk. All right. All right. That's what's up. Well, Devon, we got to stop there because if I don't, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep laughing and smiling. I'm going to be like, hey, what about this and all of that? But this has been an amazing call. And the reason I want to stop here is because I want to have you back on again in the future so we can continue this and show people what happened after this discussion, because I know some great things will happen. So, Devon, thank you so much for being a guest on Entrepreneurship Exposed. Tell the people where they can find you. Where's the, where's the best way to get in touch with you? Yes, you can find me. I'm on Instagram at Devon Reeves. I am also on LinkedIn and I am on Facebook, uh, the Vine Group. And then you can also go to Vester, let me put it in the chat, Vester.com, uh, V-E-S-T-E-R-R.com to learn how you can invest in the different commercial real estate opportunities, or you can raise capital for it. 
Let's get it. Let's get it. We'll make sure we have that down in the description so everybody could tap in with you. Devon, thank you again so much. Everybody in the audience, this was an amazing episode. Listen, make sure y'all tap in with Devon. Also, make sure that you are subscribed and turn on the notification bell on YouTube, on all podcast platforms, so that you don't miss episodes like this. You don't miss amazing people like Devon. And we're going to continue bringing all of that game to you. Let's go. Devon, thank you again. Much love, and we'll talk very soon. Talk soon. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Take care.